0: I truly believe we're all more capable than we know.
1: This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana College of Business. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot. Hey, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Today, I speak with Meg Fisher, Meg is a doctor of physical therapy, athletic performance coach, and motivational speaker right here in Missoula, Montana. She's also a decorated athlete, having won gold, silver, and bronze medals in the 2016 and 2012 Paralympic Games. And Meg's also accumulated 10 world championship titles. At the age of 19, Meg was involved in a tragic car accident that nearly killed her and took the life of her best friend. She survived a coma and lost the lower portion of her left leg. In this conversation, we talk about those experiences and how they shaped Meg's approach to life, as well as her work helping others achieve their health, wellness, and performance goals. I'm excited for you to learn all about this amazing woman right now. Okay, so we're here today with Meg Fisher. Meg, thanks for coming on the podcast.
0: Oh, it's a privilege to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I am excited. We're finally getting this conversation done, uh, and finally meeting, although not in person, unfortunately. That'll come at some point. So, tell us, you know, how did how did a kid from Chicago find Missoula? How did how did Missoula end up on your radar screen? Well,
0: originally, I'm actually a Canadian. I'm from Alberta, okay. so um, I went to high school in the Chicago area, and when it came time to look for a university, I had a one was big. College encyclopedias. I suppose they're all online now. Maybe they don't sell those.
1: You're probably right. Those giant, sort of, I don't know who it was, <laughs> yeah. but like US News and World Reports, giant right. book.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if this will resonate with people with all kids listening to this now, but colleges used to be listed in a
1: book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
0: and it was a thick book. And it was quite easy to eliminate many schools because I was not interested in anything east of the Mississippi. Mm. I wanted to move west. Um, I wanted to be near, near the country that really felt like home to me. Sure. Um, and that'd be the Rocky mountains. I, I used to live in a small town called Rocky mountain house, Alberta. And uh, while I, I, I didn't want to go to school in Alberta, um, I want, I thought, okay, well, the closest I can get is Missoula. And I knew, from those that college book that uh, the university of Montana had a lot of majors that I was interested in. Cause like many freshmen, I, I didn't know exactly what career path I wanted right. to follow. Right. Who does? Right? I mean, how can you? And then additionally, I knew there was a tennis team here, okay. a division one tennis team. And I, I've been playing tennis since I was three years old. Uh, and I, I wanted to try to continue that tennis career as long as possible. The university of Montana allowed that opportunity mm-hmm. and, um, in my younger years, I had really admired Jane Goodall. Thought maybe veterinarian might be my path mm-hmm. or wildlife biology.
1: Interesting. So, so that athletic piece was deeply ingrained as part of your identity, pretty pretty early on.
0: Very much so. Yeah. I, I was a very shy kid, and I used sports as a way to make friends and to find a community. Because I, I wasn't the kid that was um, the most talkative at the lunch table, or the most dynamic, or the class clown. I, I didn't have any of those accolades, but I was always coordinated. I was always fast, and um, I used those strengths to my advantage to to build a community.
1: Sure. And then you know we, we we've heard the story, or many of our listeners have, about your your tragic car accident and losing your your best friend and. Thank you. A large part of of your leg and your foot, um, mm-hmm. at that moment and in that process, this this identity that you're talking about had to have been just rocked to its core. Um, tell us a little bit about that sort of moment and, and how you how you chose to respond.
0: Yeah, there's the the visible scars and the invisible scars right. that really all of us have um, in that car accident most visibly i'd had my my foot literally ripped from my my body and so that was of course easy to see what most people don't know is that i was in a coma for a week Um, i had some brain surgery i I, my pupils were fixed and dilated and i couldn't breathe on my own Um, due to a lot of people's hard work expertise and skill i survived and i think the the mental challenge was and is continues to be a something that I have to overcome or, or an obstacle that's that's still present um maybe the neatest thing is that I I woke up gregarious um a frontal lobe injury um is kind of your higher order processing and a bit of your personality so I used to be really shy and would never have imagined I'd be on a podcast able to speak
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: yeah. But I, I woke up, um, with almost the inability to shut up <laughs>
1: Sure, yeah. Uh,
0: I, and I didn't have a filter. I had to relearn that social filter of the things you say and you don't say, and when you say them and when you don't, or when you stare and when you don't, um, speaking was actually hard for me. I, I still have a bit of a stutter, a little bit of word finding problems, which most people would say, yeah, that's normal. You, you sound normal. We all have troubles. I, can tell you it wasn't it didn't feel this way prior to my accident Um, writing still tends to be a little harder Mm -hmm. but um i've been able to successfully graduate with an undergraduate degree i've gone on to a graduate degree so it's it's been overcomable and just i guess yeah part of my story but uh, um more and more we're talking about head injuries and when i got hurt 18 19 years ago, um, that wasn't, excuse me, it was 18 years ago. Nobody, nobody talked about headaches. Yeah, much less was understood for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the brain still is very much the outer space Mm -hmm. and we don't know very much, but nobody talked to me about what the problems I was having. All they did was they they did a a EKG, ECG? EKG Mm -hmm. of my brain and um, made sure that I, I wasn't at a high risk for, epilepsy or stroke sure So So basic um, just
1: stability stuff but right to think about like you know that's a that's a ripple that 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 i hadn't really considered in in learning about your story is that you know you you sort of wake up and you find yourself in a body with a different reality but also like your brain's operating differently and you're finding yourself with different personality traits and like how's talk about identity getting rocked that must have been really weird and challenging to kind of work through all at once
0: and when you're in it yeah like all of us we we don't have the perspective to always put words to it sure i didn't i didn't know what was going on every part of my body was black and blue or swollen or scraped or scuffed i didn't I wasn't me. And uh, when you wake up from a coma, it's not like in the movies. You don't wake up and the lights are on. I, I, I describe it very much like being in a, a really bad disco. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, The lights kind of flicker on and off. And at odd intervals, you don't know. You wake up, the lights turn on, your eyes open, and you get to look around your hospital room, and then the lights are off. Yeah. And so you, and maybe there's some mercy in that, um, and that you, you're not faced with the faced with reality all at once. But I remember my eyes opening and looking down at myself in the sheets. Cause I didn't know where I was and you're trying to orient yourself and so forth. And I didn't, I saw that I didn't have two foot bumps over my toes. You know, right. if you look down right. in the sheets tonight, we, we, these are things we definitely take for granted um, i sure no one else has thought of this, but our feet leave little lumps yep. on the sheets. And so when I looked down, I had one lump hmm. and I thought, oh no, this is bad. And uh, I remember pretty early on thinking like, this is going to be hard for my tennis career. Because um, that's, that's again, that was my it identity. first thing that's, you
1: go to, I get it.
0: Yeah. Oh. Um, it's, it might sound strange or shallow, but um, I remember thinking like, oh no. Um, but then the lights were out again. I was gone. right? Yeah. So, and people wake up differently. I guess uh, at one point I I woke up and I thought I was a baseball player for the Chicago Cubs. I'm a fifth generation cubby. I'm a longtime Cubs fan. Ah. Uh, And so I guess I thought I was a Cubs player and I had slid into home base and in doing so I had injured my foot. Hmm. And Somehow this nurse who I later learned his name is um, Pete. I had no idea. As far as I knew, I called him Sammy because I thought he was Sammy. So
1: um,
0: the story I told myself um, in the in the hospital very early on was that I was a Cubs player. I slid into home base. I got hurt. And this is why I don't have a left foot. Mm -hmm. I guess the kid down the way uh, woke up and thought he was Timmy from South Park. Um, And, his parents didn't know he watched south Park and uh um anyway, I guess uh we all and, have yeah what a wild ride! And,
1: and, and at some point, i mean a, a lot of Missoulians have come to know you know your your sort of just incredible athletic success in triathlon and triathlon cycling um but at that time you know, you sort of figured out a way to get through that, get out of the hospital, learn to walk. Uh, A lot of people telling you like, Hey, this is how it's going to be. You're going to have, you're not going to be able to do these things. And a lot of people saying probably some, some things to give you an expectation of your future, but, but certainly not the expectation that you would have previously. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe, maybe talk about that. How did you kind of find direction and this notion that you're going to assert yourself and regain an athletic identity if that was at all the right framing i'm not sure
0: yeah how do you find direction when you're rudderless mm-hmm. uh, it's that's uh, what we all face whether that's today um with the, the myriad of challenges we're facing or job loss or change in job situation or family dynamics like when you don't have solid footing how do you push off in, in any direction yeah. um i think people who were giving me advice at the time and maybe inadvertently or intentionally trying to lower my expectations did so out of care. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't believe any one of them really wanted to limit my horizons other than to make sure that those horizons were attainable. That said, uh, one of the characteristics I held on to was a sense of stubbornness. Uh, I think my mom or my dad will tell you from early on that I've been fiercely independent and stubborn which I don't think is a bad thing. I think with any stubbornness, any stubborn trait, some people might want to call it grit. Um, and maybe that's catchier nowadays, but mm-hmm. it's also um, same, same. And it, it can, it can take you far and it can also get you in a lot of trouble. Sure.
1: Right? Yeah. It cuts both ways.
0: Yeah. Um, and how I, I regained my identity, maybe because it's the only identity I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, like a lot of people I, I wouldn't say that I have high confidence in myself like I, I, I wouldn't consider myself as successful or um the only way I knew myself was shy and timid and uh so being gregarious or outgoing was still a, a, a new trait and uh all I knew was like I in order for me to regain a sense of community this is what I needed to, needed to do sure. um Additionally, like that's how everyone else knew me, right? Like just because I woke up different, looking different and perhaps acting differently, people still knew me as the Meg, as my family calls me Megan. Like they still knew me as that. And um, so they they allowed me to have opportunities that I seemingly like to do. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, so when I woke up and came back from the hospital um, a month later, so I got hurt at the end of June. So all of July and in early August is when I uh, was life flighted back to my mom's house in Chicago. Basically, all my college friends were, excuse me, all my high school friends were going off to college. Yeah. And I didn't have a community in in the Chicagoland area outside the tennis community. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I could, I was back on the tennis courts. Uh, this older woman who had, had who had retired. I'd played tennis with her and I'd known her for years. Her daughter was actually the college tennis coach of um, my partner who passed away. Okay. So it just tightens that circle a little tighter. Um, her name was Vicky Condon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vicky passed away about 10 years ago from cancer and just a quick side note, fuck cancer. Right. Yeah, so, indeed. um, uh, she was retired, like I said, and had time on her hands and she's, she, she really took me under her wing and, took an office chair from her own home office and a bucket of balls took me out to the courts and said, by the time you're standing, you're going to have a perfect volley. Here you so go. Right. Me, she, yeah. So she really is like, okay, you know, that's tennis was her language. Tennis was her passion. Mm-hmm. And she knew it was something that I, you know, I continue to, to love. And, um, she gave me that Avenue and, uh, I got a job back at the tennis courts that I was, I hadn't worked at previously. And it kind of built from there. I was teaching kids from an office chair as soon as I could stand. I was teaching older kids and adults from standing next to a ball hopper. And then once I could be more dynamic, I was doing more things with tennis. Interestingly, uh, 11 months after my first amputation or since the first accident, Uh um, I I lost more of my leg. Um, So I'm one of those rare people that got to lose their leg twice. Um, But that was getting back to the tennis court always actually was my motivation. I wanted to move better. I wanted to not hurt. I wanted to be dynamic.
1: And that was that the motivation to, to have that sort of more extensive amputation was to have a more, you know, athletically oriented prosthesis. Is that kind of where to, you were? Around? Yeah, just
0: to, to some extent. Yeah. Um, initially my initial injury was called a four foot avulsion fracture for okay. the geeky people out there that means basically i snapped my foot in half in front of my heel bone and Mm so uh, everything in front of my heel bone was gone all the long bone or the uh, irregular bones of the foot as well as the long bones of the toes and my little toes okay they'd actually they taken half of my stomach muscles to cover that hole and skin from my thigh to to also cover that muscle graft so i only have half my tummy muscles too so that's that's pretty a fun fun party joke you know you have a scar as long as your arm and um my tummy caves in, so it's funny. But um, so yeah, the, I I I'd had that that prosthesis, which was very much like a ski boot. It was mm-hmm. a clamshell, like those old ski boots that kind of velcroed together or snapped together. But it had no ankle motion. It had a little bit of flex in the foot from a carbon plate, but the di- prosthesis wasn't dynamic, and I was also in quite a bit of pain, yeah, um, due to injuries. I'd had to have other surgeries in my ankle, and bones were moving, and it just wasn't. I couldn't walk the length of a football field. Hmm. Um, like I went to a Grizz game, a football game, and I, somebody had to give me a piggyback ride back to my dorm because I couldn't. I couldn't walk back. Okay. So yes, it was to be more athletic, but it was also just to be pain free. It was. Uh, I I didn't know what kind of athletic future I would have, but um, I I just wanted more for myself. Yeah, at I'll that agree point, you just, want, but yeah. yeah, I just didn't want to hurt.
1: And so, at some point, you found um, endurance sports in all yes. of this. Uh, yes. Tell us about that.
0: So I did my first triathlon 11 months after my second amputation. My whole life I, I watched the Ironman on TV. I'd seen triathletes around Missoula and thought, wow, how can a body do three sports in one day? Like, yeah. that's, un, that's amazing.
1: And let's just signpost that for a moment. 11 months, essentially going from I mean, you you pretty much have to relearn to walk from scratch at that point, I I would imagine, right? Yes. Yes. And so let's just, listeners, let's let's just let that sink in, to go from an amputation surgery where you come out of it having to relearn to walk to 11 months later, less than a year, doing and completing a triathlon. It's pretty remarkable. And that was only the beginning.
0: Well, um, thanks. I I appreciate that, but... When, again, when you're living in it, you're just thinking of
1: course, each day yeah. comes,
0: you know, um, no matter how bad a day is or how good a day is, it always ends and a new one starts. So it's, uh, it's also always calming and reassuring, but sometimes also a bit frightening. But, um, yeah. so I, I, I just knew that I always felt like Sarah was with me my, my partner who passed okay. away in the car accident. And, um, I'm, I'm not here to make any spiritual comments other sure. than I just always felt her with me. And I didn't want to let her down mm-hmm. um, and wanted to uh, live my life in such a way that gave honor to to her not being here. Because that's just really the biggest loss in this whole accident. Um, I would lose my other foot. Like I trade places with her in a heartbeat. But, right, um, right. I'm here. So let's do the best while I can. And I guess that's been my a motivation for many things is I'm, I'm going to do the best I can. And seeing that triathlon, uh, I, for my whole life, had never thought I could do a triathlon. Sure. I, I was fit. I was one of the faster kids on the tennis team. I was strong. I was coordinated and all that got taken away to the point where people were having to feed me and I, I couldn't do anything on my own. And then yes, 11 months later, um, from that second amputation, I was like, well, I'm going to do this triathlon and see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. My goal is to not be last. It's okay to be last. I mean, I've been last in several races, but
1: sure. But I understand having that goal. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I was seventh from last in the grizzly triathlon I, I had never swam a thousand yards. In a row. In fact, I, I, when I swam, I would hit the lane line. Cause when you only have one flipper, you don't swim straight. Yeah, I suppose you're uh, right. Yeah. Um, and then I had to borrow somebody's bike because I never biked 20 K initially, like intentionally. Mm-hmm. And then since my accident, I hadn't run five K. Like I used to run cause I enjoyed it, but I hadn't run like that. It's in this new chapter. And as soon as I crossed that line, that cold spring day, I was a triathlete. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, uh, uh, people put so many these barriers on their lives. I mean, as a tennis player, like I like to play outside maybe 70, 75 degrees, but not too hot, but please definitely not too cold. Um, it can't be too windy cause then that messes with where the ball goes. If it's too sunny, actually the sun gets in my eyes. <laughs> Can we actually have partly cloudy and maybe actually a soft breeze? So like the, you know, you don't get too hot just standing around. Right. Um, Uh, Yeah. So like it needs to be a flat court. It has to, you know, whatever tennis players, we can tease each other. But um, when you're a triathlete, like you're out in the elements, it doesn't matter if it's... Yeah.
1: Describing uh, tennis players as higher maintenance than triathletes is an interesting framing. (laughs) A New Angle is brought to you by First Security Bank and Blackfoot, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. This is University of Montana President Seth Bodner. And you're listening to A New Angle. But I understand completely what you're saying. And, and one thing yeah. you said in there that really stands out is, you know, once you cross that line, you are a triathlete. Like, back to identity. Like, you've got this, yeah, you know, to use an inept metaphor here, but you've got feet on the ground, so to speak. Like, you've got earth beneath you, I would imagine. <laughs> Do you start to feel like yourself in some way again or are you feeling like somebody new entirely
0: oh that's an interesting question i never thought of it that way but uh i guess in, in truth i i think i i felt like wow i've done this mm-hmm. and then like all of a sudden i would have this community of people but um like a lot of us i think i always felt on the outside whether i, I was or i wasn't i think um at that time in uh university of montana grizzly triathlon history there were some pretty exceptional athletes
1: absolutely this was a hotbed for for oh, for triathlon whew. for triathletes for sure some of the oh, best yeah. in the world
0: i mean people that continue to set records uh ben hoffman lindsey corbin to name a few but um, adam jensen matt Shriok. i mean you, you could name drop as much as you wanted but there, there were just and there continue to be great athletes in this town and um I tried and I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to be as fast as them in triathlon. You know, when, when you're down a flipper um, and when you're down a, a leg, like, you're just not going to be. Sure. I, I became a fast master swimmer. Um, I was a fast cyclist, and I became actually pretty darn fast. Um, and I was an okay runner. Like, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... I never... I never, I didn't necessarily feel like I'd made it. I didn't feel like I'd arrived. Okay, um, if that makes sense. Like when I crossed that line, I felt like, okay, I'm on my way. Like this is, this is definitely a step in the right direction. This all felt good. This was a challenge um, that I could sink my teeth into. Sure. Like, yes, that's what I felt like. I felt like, okay, like, because um, when you're when your medical chart says like amputation, or the, people assume that like, as a, they label me an amputee, um, and it's a label that actually I fight against because I'm just me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like being called an amputee, truth be told. Um, I, in many of the same ways that we don't call people by their impairments, like, we don't tell somebody that, like, oh, you're a spinal cord injury, oh, you're an alcoholic. Like, right, you right. know, it's just, it's just, I, 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 I find it unintentionally abrasive. Yeah. Um, and so that's just my stance in it because for me, I'm me. Like I'm, uh, I'm a para athlete, and I really hold on to that. And para is from the Greek prefix meaning alongside or beside. So I'm doing everything, quote unquote, you're doing, Um, but I'm doing it. To, we're both doing it to our highest level, but it's just alongside. Um, sure,
1: that makes total sense. And, and you've done that alongside at the highest level that it is done, winning gold medals, silver medals in, in the Paralympic Games, World Championships. I mean, your, your, your rise was meteor- meteoric and just incredible success. Um, you know, that story's been told in, in, in other venues, so I don't want to use a, a ton of mm-hmm. our time together um, with that. But that chapter of your life has kind of at least that level of competition ha- has closed to some degree and you've moved on mm-hmm. to practicing as a doctor of physical therapy and, mm-hmm. and a coach mm-hmm. and talk about that. Cause that's another big identity transition, right? To, to step yeah. away from that competitive lifestyle and, and just being in it all the time training to now yeah. um, maybe in a position where you're helping others do that.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I think stepping away from the national team, I think like anybody where certainly uh fire is a big component or uh, wildland fire is a big component to people here in Montana or mm-hmm. the West coast. And so like leaving a fire crew or leaving the national team, I think there's always, um, or gosh, if you're at the age of retirement, like, you know, retiring from anything can be uh, a bit jarring because yeah. it's like, it's the, um, merry go round that, you know, and, those were a community of people that I was very close with. I, I, I loved the challenge of training, travel. It just, it really suited me well, but it, it needed to stop and it needed to change. And somebody else needed to take my shoes and they sure. have, and they've carried it on. And obviously the merry-go-round hasn't stopped um, minus COVID. Right. right <laughs> yeah. That's another story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, during, Uh, the 2012 lead up to 2012 games, I actually got into a physical therapy program at the university of Washington in Seattle. And that was just an awesome opportunity. I think all athletes to some degree know that their clock is ticking and at some point you're going to, it's going to be different. So I had, um, people in my life who were hugely supportive of my academic career mm-hmm. and that was great. And my national team, um, was also as supportive as they could be. It, w- it was amazing. Like i had clinical rotations, moved to Colorado Springs and I had you know a pause to go to the games and to come back from the games. Like it was just, um, I, I was a very fortunate person to be able to have my cake and eat it too. So having a, a doctor doctorate in physical therapy is awesome. One of the person people who changed my life the most was my physical therapist. Opposed to many healthcare practitioners, like you don't spend that much time with your surgeon, you don't spend right. that much time with your, your nursing staff. Although even that's more than your surgeon or physicians, and you know so on and so forth. But with a, a physical therapist, uh, I was in PT a lot, like three to four hours a week. Huge. And so with yeah, that that person, um, she uh, Tasha Mulligan, she just. Uh, she was such a role model for me, and she helped me understand that even though my brain had gotten shaken and scrambled and jarred, uh, that I had the capacity to learn again. And when I was a kid, I didn't think I was smart enough to be a physician or to be uh, work in healthcare. That's kind of why I thought maybe animals might mm-hmm. be better for me because I didn't think I was smart enough to do to work with people though spending all those hours in the PT clinic, I was like, holy smokes, like I'm interested in this. And by like learning about that, I can help myself, but oh my gosh, I can help someone else. And that just kind of being able to pay it forward is just hugely satisfying. I can't believe it's a job. I'm just blown away. I feel so lucky. Um, and it's more of a life's mission. So physical therapy, personal training, or coaching—that's um, they're, they're largely intertwined mm-hmm. because it's just helping somebody do what they want to do without pain, hopefully faster. Um, I'm also a certified athletic trainer, so I worked with college athletes for a while. Um, I'm a cycling coach. Like I've, I, these, all of these initials after my name really just spell out that um, I love the human body and I want to help.
1: So um, let's maybe talk about your approach to that work. Um, you know, I'll sort of insert a little bit of a personal vignette. You know, I, hmm. I a, as someone who's engaged in some of these same uh, athletic pursuits, you mm-hmm. know, in, injuries are, are kind of a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've know, seen a lot of physical therapists and had a lot of people as part of the team to help me running and riding. And mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of time where you're told that this is something is wrong with you. Right. Yeah. Like you're weak mm-hmm. in this muscle or you, yeah. your, your foot is messed up or this, that and the other. And, and, you know, sort of think about it from a positive psychology standpoint like that. Like, why not talk about what's right with you? And, yeah. And, and, and what you need to do to, 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 to capitalize on those things that's right with you. Um, oh, yeah. It just sounds that's like true. from your approach that, that that might resonate with you and how you try to work with people to get to where they want to go.
0: Wow, you nailed it. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, I truly believe we're all more capable than we know, Right, first of all. I think that often through these adversities, setbacks, whether it be um, plantar fasciitis, biceps tendonitis, any itis, or uh, a new knee or any, anything, a new ACL, um, a lot of people think like, Sort of like how you asked early on, like how how did you overcome this? How did you find direction again? And I, I find great privilege in helping people identify what direction they want to go in or resume, and then get back to those things. And, and I think helping people believe in their own strength and capacity or resilience, it's I think that that's my that's my shtick. That's yeah. what I love like,
1: how, i mean how, how do you, how do you do that like how, how do you are there are there are there levers you've sort of figured out how to pull or like what's your what's your kind of approach is it is it totally based on the individual or like how do you find a way into that
0: oh gosh um i am not sure if it's quantifiable but right. um I think perhaps there's a bit of my own energy that puts uh, put in there like I become so invested respectfully invested in someone else's success and because their success is my success. Many, many, many years ago when I started as an athletic trainer, like my athletic training degree or career mm-hmm. um, as a student, I was on crutches for a, a year of that. And I think that that um, was pretty crazy in that I'm working with Division One athletes, helping them run faster, and I can't even take a step. Right. Um, and so I think fundamentally, like seeing somebody else's success is in some ways, like, it, 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 not in some ways, in very many ways is fulfilling to me. It's, it's not my success, it's their success, but like that is what fuels me and what drives me to help somebody is to see, to, to see them succeed um, and eventually to succeed without my help. And hopefully down the road somewhere our paths intersect and they can, I can maybe peek and still see them succeeding um, or they can tell me or someone, something. But uh, I think that's just my personality um, I think some people approach their physical therapy or personal training or coaching careers differently. Maybe it's, uh, of course, I, I believe in objective measures. I believe in all of those things as for for proof and so forth. But might not come at it with the, just the same level of passion. And like this, coaching, helping, like, that's just who I am. Yeah, it's just uh, inextric inextricable from me.
1: It's, there's got to be some. And I don't quite know how to put this delicately, but there's also got to be a little bit of a notion from the the clients that you, you have that Meg has not had it easy. You know, she's overcome a lot, and like I know what when I, when I've had you know people trying to help me that I almost feel like I'm I'm trying to. There's some pressure there, right? Like I gotta live up to what they expect of me. And if, and oh, if yeah. some somebody like Meg has been through what you've been through, has been able to do it, I better be able to do it too. Yeah, you know, well, I think for, there's is any of that at play, you think?
0: Uh well, there's been plenty of patients I've worked with over the years that had no idea about my injuries. Hmm. Uh, if I wear if I wear pants, um you might think that maybe I twisted my ankle. Like I I know I don't walk perfectly. Sure. Um but First of all it's it's definitely not my position to impose my story on anyone. Right,
1: right. Like of course
0: their journey is their journey. And if I can if if telling my story will be helpful, um maybe I'll tell it. But um I often tell people like I like to keep some mystery in a relationship. Like I don't yeah. tell everybody. But I think it can add a level of empathy and understanding cuz patients feel like they can trust me. I've had so many people, whether they're my patient or just somebody off the street, come and share with me challenges they've had because they see the physical scars that I have, know that there's probably some ability for me to relate to either their visible or invisible scars. Um, I never want to pressure anybody or guilt anyone into doing anything. Just because I'm doing something doesn't mean you need to do it or that you should do it. Just know that if you want to do something that you see me doing you probably can do it so i think if that that subtlety is understood
1: um... i understand it 100% and i think i think you you put it very well i mean we've had i, I had a podcast a year or two ago we we're talking about mental health right mm-hmm. and and he was um he's a military vet had, had mm-hmm. suffered some 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 really challenging um, and still suffers some challenges with with mental health and PTSD. Yes. And yes. you know, I was sort of drawing this comparison between stress in my life and, and stress in his life. And, and he just stopped me point blank and said, "Hey, it's not about that. It's my yeah. stress is no more significant than yours. And, and don't right. get into this this game of talking about who's entitled." to feeling like they should be feeling more or less stress and anxiety. Like we all feel what we feel, and right. that's what you got to deal with because that's what, it, what what you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. And, and I love how you put that in terms of like, hey, if, if there's something you want to do and you have some doubts about being able to do it, like I think you can, and I'm going to help you figure out how to do that.
0: A hundred percent, totally. Um, and additionally, like, I think people sometimes think that it's, being in a PT office is almost like being in an optometrist. Like is, is, is the letter clearer or right, is it fuzzier? Right. <laughs> is this better or worse? And I always ask those questions and I preface it with first saying, Can you tell, do you know, mm-hmm. I don't know is a fair answer. like, have I helped you? Oh, I don't know. Great. That tells me that you don't know. And either I need to change my approach, my words, my therapies, um, so that you you feel different. You feel empowered. You feel more capable. Um, You don't, and if you don't know right now, that's okay. That's like, that's, that's valuable. Um, So I think that pressure can be lessened with the words that we use.
1: Yeah. Well, talk about your, your decision to um, move into coaching in addition to, into physical therapy. I mean, you mentioned that the two are sort of intertwined in your philosophical approach? Was it, mm-hmm. was it going to be coaching as well as PT from the start? Do you view those as distinct services? Like how do you kind of conceptualize that?
0: Yeah, they are distinct services. Uh, while there is gray area in, an overlap, um, I, I, definitely provide strength and conditioning cycling. And I, I like to call it resilience training. Um, that's something that I'm, I'm super passionate about uh, helping people stay mobile, uh, and avoid going to see, The physical therapist, Mm -hmm. but I, uh, if somebody has something specific that I can add a diagnosis to, I'm eager to help anyone and I can that I can. So whether that's using cash pay or insurance, cash pay we call it direct pay model or the insurance based model, like I just I want to be accessible to people so that they I can meet them where they need me and I can help them move forward. I, I, I see a lot of overlap in them, but, um, they are distinct services.
1: What's your philosophical approach to, you know, the coaching piece as a supplement sure. or as a critical part of the, of your approach to physical therapy?
0: So I, I have a hard time really like philosophically, um, dissecting coaching from physical therapy, but in a business standpoint, I can do that. Um, I really enjoy helping people reach their goals, mm-hmm. whether that be range of motion of their shoulder, for example, or uh, biking across the country. Um, I think there's there's elements in both of those uh, that a coach or a physical therapist um, can help with, but I do offer separate and distinct services. And some of those services I, I offered, like the coaching, I can coach somebody across the country. I've got athletes across the country that, that I help with, um, of course, with physical therapy, that's only here in Missoula.
1: Sure. A little, a little bit more difficult to, uh, to create a remote model for PT. Um, let's talk a little bit about your relationship to this community. Um, Missoula has been a big part of your life, Mm -hmm. your, your undergraduate experience, and you've chosen Mm -hmm. to sort of ground your professional existence here. Mm Mm-hmm. What's unique about this place? What, what what about it grabs you?
0: That is a great question. I think that I I call Missoula big kid playground. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I I get excited for every season. There's something I love about it. I like that I can very quickly be out of town, even if it's just Cherry Gulch, which is hardly out of town. It but feels that way when you're there, a, though. A hundred percent. Like you can find times of the day where you are the only one there mm-hmm. and that's magical. The wildflowers in the springtime, um, the, the, the snow when it sparkles like diamonds in the winter, I think there's times that I get excited about just being there. Um, but of course there are, <laughs> we're surrounded um, by mountains and surrounded by wilderness. Our towns don't yet touch here in Montana really. So there's, 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 this, there's the space to, Find yourself, certainly professionally, being with people. And uh, personally, I I, I I love people. I love my friends. I love my family. That said, I do need quiet time where I can just focus on my breath.
1: Sure. Yeah, and definitely the landscape enables that. But also, mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the people. The people in this place uh, mm-hmm. are also a key part of what makes this place special. Yes. yes. Um, talk about that a little bit. What do, what do you find interesting about the community?
0: Oh, that's a great. Yeah. You ask great questions. Um, So I am an import to Missoula, um, and I I think there's something to be said about people who are Native here. But when I meet a a Native Montana or Missoulian, I I want to say, please leave for a little bit. I hope you take some time to leave in order to know how great this place is. Because like when you, I've lived, um, I've traveled around the world. I've lived in Chicago and um, along the West coast and so forth. Um, Like when I lived in Seattle, for instance, um, when you walk down the the sidewalk, people don't look you in the eye. When you're in the bus, people don't look to see you. Um, When you go to the park again, yep. uh, Well, Seattleites are, Are great people. I I loved my time there. Um, It's not home. It's not doesn't have the same kind of enveloping. Um, When you come to Missoula, I think when you walk down the street, people inevitably look you in the face, and most of the time they'll smile. And gosh, that just feels great, doesn't it? I mean, boy howdy, that's wonderful. Um, I think people here recognize how special this place is and try to aim for a sense of community because it's still small enough that we can make a difference. Seattle, uh, it's pretty darn big. Chicago, it's huge. Um, And I lived in a suburb. I lived 18 miles outside the city. That said, my horizons were never dark. It always had the glow of Chicago. Um, Sunsets were amazing because of the smog and air pollution, but um, that's different. Like That's just different. Um, The sense of community and uh, how people can join together and still make a difference for each other is something that is uniquely Missoula.
1: Um, so community has been a big part uh, of your existence. You've talked about some of the individual people that have propelled you and, and enabled you to, to, to get to where you are today. Mm-hmm. I know that, that you also have gratitude for some organizations that have believed in you and some sponsors that have supported oh. your endeavors, mm-hmm. both at the peak of your competition and, and now as sort of a, a local ambassador for sport.
0: Yes. Thanks very much for, um, like opening that space. Cause I, I have so much gratitude for, um, the Missoula community who's, who's embraced me and enabled me to continue working in the profession that has just, it's a dream come true to be a physical therapist in this town. Uh, I, I, I love working with my coaching athletes and then I still get to race. It's, um, my job is no longer to be at the pointy end of the race, like Uh winning the race. Um, my job is, is to be in the pack, be in the meat of it and, uh, being basically like a mobile cheering squad and and being a bit of a demonstration of, uh, you know, what, what we can overcome. Right. And I am so grateful for companies like Gore wear, um, their clothing has just enabled me to be out in, in elements, whether it's, uh, 15 below on a fat bike or, you know, a hundred degrees in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. and SRAM has always been a sponsor. Uh, even when I raced on the, on the national team, because I actually ride with two different crank sets, um, uh, oh, one, my right my drive side the right crank arm is 170 millimeters and my left side is 165
1: yeah that's an expensive and, setup
0: <laughs> yeah so most bike companies would require me to buy two crank sets right um shimano has always sent me a left crank arm uh for free for nice. the past like i don't even i couldn't even tell you a decade uh they've never questioned it they said oh yeah definitely we'll we'll send you one of those um even before I was a sponsored SRAM athlete, like, okay. I mean, they've just—they're a stand-up company. I've—I've um, I've loved riding on uh, Salsa cycles. They've got a bike for every activity, whether yeah, commuting, uh, riding 200 miles of gravel, uh, 50 miles of mountain biking, or um, boosting off, you know, dead man's. Uh, sure. You know, and if, I've just been really lucky to. Uh, join up with some companies that uh, enable me to continue pushing my limits and continuing to uh, show the capacity of the human mind and spirit.
1: Well, Meg, this has been an inspiration, just learning about your your path and your approach to life and your approach to helping others live the lives they want to live. You know, kind of final question is if, if there's, there's so much to learn here, but if you want listeners to take away one thing, Um, what do you think that one thing would be?
0: That one thing it's, I want people to know deep down in their souls that they're capable of more than they know these hard times pass and we will survive them. Uh, I believe that we're all more capable than we know.
1: Well said. And I think that's, those are words that we all need to kind of think deeply about. And, um, and live by in many ways, mm-hmm. Meg. Such mm-hmm. such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for you know, your approach to life, what you're doing in our community, and, and the sort of the role model you've set for, for so many people in this place and beyond.
0: Thank you for uh, allowing me to share time with you.
1: Thanks for listening to a new angle. We really appreciate it. A new angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot with support from the University of Montana College of Business and Consolidated Electrical Distributors. AJ Williams is our producer, Jeff Amet, John Wicks, and VTO made our music, and Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at at umontana.edu. If you like what you heard, tell your friends about us. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.